because a lot of times people are looking for this, you know, audible command from God, like, this is what I want you to do. They're looking for that pillar to guide them every step of the way. And that is rarely going to happen. God's primary will, and this is what John says in his book, God's primary will for your life is that you become a magnificent person in his image, somebody with the character of Jesus. That is God's main will for your life. No circumstance can prevent that. Welcome to the Uncommon Freedom Show. Our purpose is to equip and inspire you to reach your potential, maximize your impact, and live a great life while you make the world a better place. I'm Kevin. And I'm Becca. We're your hosts. And in this fourth episode of our LaunchWell series, we're doing a deep dive on how to find your purpose and how drastically your life can change when you do. All right, Becca, last week we had a discussion about do you or do you not put down a toilet seat, specifically a man, after he urinates in a public restroom? Do you feel fully educated by that conversation now? I do. Is your mind blown, your eyes are open, and your perspective changed? Actually, the real question is, do you, has your perspective changed? So... Um, no, because I was set in my ways and I knew I had good reasons for it. <laughs> right. And I have great Gentlemen, reasons. Gentlemen, do you hear what I'm saying? Yes. Um, do you have a question for me this week? And ladies, do you give me a shout out for that, please? Um, yes, Kevin, I would like us to discuss post-Christmas now that everything is cleaned up. Ladies and gentlemen, are we real Christmas tree people or fake Christmas tree people? Oh, absolutely. Fake Christmas tree. 100% love the tidiness. I love the fact that you don't have to water it. I love the fact that you don't have to go get out, go cut it, throw it into it. Now, granted, we do have a truck that we could put it in now. Which and would a be fire easier. pit where we could burn amazing leftover Christmas tree. Yeah, but there's a lot of work that, and a mess that goes into- We have boys that could do it. Yeah. Okay. Right. I do agree it's a mess, but our real tree's a mess as well. So there's a lot of messes. And this year it was it didn't go up quite as easily as it has in the past. So there was a little bit of frustration, I think, matching the parts, all oh, the things. Yeah. Um, matching parts is important. And <laughs> all things are supposed to fit. They are. They are. Um and there's problems when it doesn't. So going back to the Christmas tree though, I mean, let's go back to your childhood for a second, Kevin, like run down memory lane. You know, when did you first realize you were a fake tree person? Well, so grew up in a family, my, my parents just traditional tradition and holidays were not a big deal to them. So we did not make a big deal out of Christmas in my, my parents' house. Uh, we always celebrated with my grandparents and we had a tradition where, uh, as far back as I can remember every year, I don't know, sometime after Thanksgiving, we would go to my grandparents and we would put up their fake tree. Mm. So um, therein lies the roots. Maybe that's the root, but the reality is, you know, that I'm very much a neat freak. Yeah. And I also don't like to do work that doesn't have a long term. So to me, all the work that goes in, I don't find the work that goes into a real tree fun because it's such a short term uh, investment of time and energy and finances and things like that. So I think it more has more to do with my personality than tradition. Yes, that's true. Despite the fact that you got your first stocking when we got married. So 
True. We're, we're bringing tradition into this, this man's life and uh, he embraces it wholeheartedly. Elf on the Shelf is his favorite and all of the other things that come with the Christmas traditions. But, you know, the problem is you partially rub off on me. So even though I grew up with mostly real Christmas trees and I loved that tradition, I do, I do like the tidiness of the fake tree and um, a little bit of how I was going to say perfect, but nothing's perfect, but you know, just how it comes together so well. Um, but I have some, I mean, through the years, you and I have had a few Christmas trees take a tumble and I distinctly remember when my siblings were growing up, my sister got roller skates for Christmas. And I think she went around the tree and grabbed the Christmas lights and took the tree down with her. It was her or my brother. Maybe it was Josh. But um, anyway, that was a good family memory. But we grew up like stringing popcorn. This is like old school stringing popcorn, watching a movie um, and decorating the tree with popcorn strings. And that was a really special part of my memories. When you string popcorn, because I've never done it, are you using a needle? Yeah, a needle and thread. And so I remember so, when I was old enough to do that, it felt like really cool. I can only and it imagine took a long time. what oh. would happen in our household oh my with God. three boys sitting around with needles. Like people are going to get poked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Popcorn's going to be more eaten than strung because our kids are just, they hoover almost any type of food that's put in front of them. Um, so yeah, I think it would be like, you know, 18 bags of popcorn later and some bloody fingers and- who knows? But we could start that tradition next year and add that to the other traditions. So we gave the real tree a fair shake our first Christmas uh, that we were married. Uh, I don't, I don't know if about real, real shake is you know accurate. Like you're kind of a one and done person. So well, our Honda Accord almost oh, yeah. got stuck in the mud. On <laughs> um, the uh, you know when, when you when you're going to hunt for a Christmas tree in Oregon where it rains all winter long, uh, we almost got stuck. So that wasn't fun. And yeah. then. Uh, the first one we had at the house that we built in Hillsboro, Oregon, came tumbling down. Either that the wasn't first the night. real tree's fault, though. That was just proper positioning. Right. And you yeah. talked about how important it is to have things properly positioned, positioned properly. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, <laughs> could have been user error. So, anyway, we love to hear that. your thoughts. What do you like? Yeah. Why do you like it? And uh, we're going to move on. And then how do you solve it when you and your spouse are on different pages? That's yes. the topic for another absolutely. discussion. Yes. But we, we will, will circle back that. to this. We have. Uh, yeah. Anyways, we'll circle back. We'll circle back. So today we're going to talk about finding your purpose so that you can maximize your potential. And a couple of interesting stats are that even the highest achieving executives are dissatisfied and unfulfilled despite reaching the pinnacle of their field. In a survey of 10,000 plus people, only 5% believed they were reaching their full potential. And 57% of Americans are looking for a greater purpose and are unfulfilled. And one other very interesting stat, hmm. and I don't have the exact number on this, is but the number of military and law enforcement retirees, the, the life expectancy for uh, people who retire from those careers, I believe is about five years. Hmm. And so many of the people that I worked with in those careers, like they're focused on retirement, retirement, retirement. And you think of how sad it is to put up, to put so much of life on hold only to retire and then die five years later, potentially. Yep. Um, Becca, you have had quite a bit of a shift in how you have chosen to maximize uh, your potential by really finding your purpose. Can you talk about how that shifted from a young, you know, a, a girl who as a teen or even younger than that, thought or knew you wanted to be a teacher and just what that transition looked like for you? 
Yeah. I mean, it's interesting raising kids now and kind of hearing what their dreams are. Some of them have no clue. Some of them, you know, a couple of ours think that the NFL and the NBA are in their future and we are going to support their work ethic towards things, but the, you know, we're not going to shut them down too quickly. Who knows what God will do with the dreams of their heart, but it's less likely with two white parents who, you know, max out at 5'11". So we'll see, we'll see where that goes. Um, but yeah, I, I pretty much always remember wanting to be a teacher. I think I liked being in charge, which is no surprise now in hindsight of the nickname I had as a child and just how I like to, you know, boss my siblings around, but we would set up school regularly. I loved the idea. I would go to a supply store, office supply store, and it was like, like so fun to see all of the different, you know, clean supplies that could be used and opened and implemented. And it was ridiculous. But I do remember from an early age wanting to be a teacher. And so what was interesting is getting through the first couple of years of school at a community college and needing to go on to a four-year school and um, having the potential to go to George Fox University in Oregon for athletic scholarships, but still having a really expensive tuition and wanting to know like, what am I going to get a degree in at this point? Because I was finishing up my sophomore year. And it was just so hard for me to make a decision. I'd always been drawn towards exercise physiology and then also teaching. And, um, you know, I took a year off. I think it was really wise um, from an athletic standpoint. It was hard on me, but it was wise to take that year off and basically work in both career fields. I taught at a preschool, not really similar to teaching actual school, but um, it gave me a taste for it. And I also worked at a gym for close to a year and figured out if I wanted to be in that environment and I went into teaching, um, got a master's and really enjoyed the first couple of years. But I also knew that as I became a mom, I didn't want to work full time outside of the home. And so I knew that I would probably stay home. And when I stayed home with the kids, I absolutely loved the time with them, but I felt like I wasn't fully fulfilled, um, mostly because laundry and dishes and the chores that come with running a household just weren't my dream job. And even though I loved my children, I just felt like I wasn't running at full capacity with what God had gifted me to do. And so I was looking for something else that I could bring into our lives. And I think it's important for people to realize that what fulfills one person is not necessarily what fulfills someone else. So there's a lot of women out there who absolutely love primarily doing the mother role. And you're an incredible mother, but... Um, all of the things that goes into mothering and running a household are not things like you were made for more and not that your more is better than anyone else's. Um, but for some people, that's what they're going to thrive at. And for, for you, you're a phenomenal mom, but you would not be content only doing that. And I think it shifts over time. I mean, there are times during um, some of our busy seasons when I would love to just, you know, take care of the household and not have anything else on my brain because it just seems simpler and more peaceful um, than chasing some of the dreams. There's fewer disappointments. You know, the laundry is not going to be super disappointing to you. The dishes aren't going to be super disappointing. They're kind of always there where when you dream bigger, you have potential for bigger disappointments and you have to be gritty about things that you put in your heart and how God's going to walk those out. Um, and this is in no way to diminish um, stay-at-home moms or stay-at-home parents. We both had stay-at-home moms and we were really grateful for that. So for me, it was always finding a blend. How do I, as my as our friend Megan Valentine says, chase kids and chase dreams? And um, that was what I was on the search for was how can I use the talents God's given me and my influence and my my voice and my brain in addition to investing in these kids, but outside of our home. Awesome. So uh, we've talked about this mastermind that we went to uh, at this point, what, almost two months ago, and we got a lot of great takeaways. And one of the common uh, questions that certainly in 
Christian slash church circles, but I think really just in society in general is how do you find your calling? And we got some really awesome takeaways from Lyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and who knows, maybe we might even be able to have him uh, join us for a podcast one time. That would be awesome. Yeah, would. Uh, But a great leadership uh, teacher and he wrote a great book. Um, but he gave us four great questions. Uh, how to find your calling. Do you want to share the first one? Sure. It's what would you do if money didn't matter and you knew you couldn't fail? I mean, that's a loaded question right there, actually. Um, and we, I think, are very comfortable being paid for what we do, but it does remind us that sometimes people do things only for finances and they're really not fulfilled from it. And some people do things that fulfill them completely and it, it doesn't provide the finances they need, but they do feel uh, fulfilled. And so that leaves them in a different type of situation where how do they also take care of their family. Yeah. The, so it's good to find out what would you do if money didn't matter, but also you have to understand that money does matter. Yeah. And so you can't just do something because you love it. I, gosh, one of my early, it might've even been one of my first interviews was with Dennis Sarfate. And he talked Mm -hmm. about the fact that there's a lot of minor league baseball players out there whose dream is to be a major league baseball player. And he was sharing that many times they'll take loans from parents because minor leaguers make so little money. I mean, they're living probably at or below the poverty level. And this this checks the box for that. But the problem is they're actually going into debt and- life is saying you're not going to be a major league baseball player. And, you know, there's a balance of sometimes you just have to persist. Um, But what I wouldn't suggest is that you answer one of these questions and say, that's my calling. Uh, You kind of got to put the whole uh, puzzle together. Right. Uh, The next thing is what's easy and natural for you. Um, What's easy and natural for you, Kev? Well, lots of things and only some things that would actually generate money for me. Uh, I love to play guitar. But the lifestyle that goes into making money playing guitar, number one, for the most part, doesn't pay nearly enough to raise a family. Uh, And number two, the whole performance lifestyle is horrible. I mean, it's not conducive to a family schedule uh, at all. And it really takes a toll on that. And, you know, Jeff Gilbert, my friend, was on podcasts and he talked about that. And, um, And so just because it is easy and natural for you, doesn't mean that once again, that's what you should do, but it's something to take into consideration. Mm, and when I look at you, the, the really cool thing is, you know, when you were looking at college, you were looking at education and something in like sports and physiology or exercise nutrition. Uh, and it was, you ultimately decided on education. But then when you find found health coaching, you, you burned out of education rather quickly. Right. And you realized you love to teach adults, people who are motivated, uh, people who are a little bit more advanced. And so what you get to do now with coaching is amazing. Like I've said so many, and so many people would agree with this when they see you train is you're in your element. You've combined that, um, that ability to teach with your passion for health. Uh, and that's where we really see the, you know, the gleam in your eyes. Yep. I'm very grateful that God has married those two together. And I, um, you know, it takes action on our parts, but you can also pray for those things to come to fruition and pray for wisdom on what that looks like. But yeah, when you start to realize the saying, when it sets my soul on fire, um, when I do it, then that connected for me with fulfillment. And I think one of the things it's really important to do is to, you got to put a lot of feelers out there. Uh, for me, when I like, I knew at a young age that I wanted to go into law enforcement. I thought it's something I would do my entire professional career. Obviously, it was actually relatively short lived. 
but I remember, do I want to be an FBI agent? Do I want to be a DEA agent? You know, there's lots of different things that you could do with that. And I would talk to people. I know I met with your dad who was an FBI agent. Uh, And then I remember distinctly going on a ride along with a friend of mine who was a police officer in North Ridgeville, Ohio. And that ride along, I think I was probably 10 minutes into it. And I was like, aha, the light bulb came on. Like, this is what I want to do. Right. And I did love being a cop for about five years. For five years, I absolutely loved it. Like you could have paid me less and I would have enjoyed enjoyed it. Uh, But it was the experience that caused that light bulb to come on for me and really cemented for me, this is what I want to do. Right. And I just encourage people, get out there. Uh, And this is why, you know, you taking a break from college, uh, before we got married was really wise. You know, college isn't really going to set you up for success the way that actually experiencing a right. career will. Right. And instead of going, you know, either further into debt or not making money for even longer, go out there, make a little bit of money, but really figure out what do you really want to do. And I think the other thing is be prepared for this to change throughout your lifetime. I mean, yep. for us, we both, you just talked about it. You know, you went into law enforcement. I would have guessed marrying you, you would have been in law enforcement your entire life. I watch you now thrive with coaching and you bring in skill sets from that. Um, You've shifted even a lot of just how you work with people because you're not in a command type of situation like you would be in the police force and you've learned to work with people autonomy supportive autonomy supportively. And that's just an awesome shift. I mean, for me with uh, training and things like that, it's fun to put the time into it. And also I like to work on that craft because I want to get better at it. And so I'm willing to put the time in because I enjoy what I do. And the last tip that uh, Lyle gave us was, what do you do when you feel God's pleasure? Mm. Um, Do you have any description for how that has played into your life? I think uh, the the overarching theme for me is impact and influence. Um, Not in a popularity kind of way, but when I, for as a teacher, it would be to watch light bulbs go off watch comprehension happen and watch joy at the same time. So the joy of learning, because part of, I went, I went into teaching partially because I had some amazing teachers that motivated me. Same with coaches in my athletic career. I had coaches that, you know, I appreciated them. I learned from them. I would have, you know, put it all out there for them and my teammates. And then I had coaches that I went home and cried about because they were harsh, mean, unsupportive, hard to follow. And same thing in teaching. I had, you know, plenty of people I fell asleep with or fell asleep with. Wow. Wow. Freudian slip. Um, Fell asleep too would be the right way to say it. And we have a good story for that as well at some point. But, you know, you realize when you feel the delight or the pleasure of God, for me, it's when my skill set connects with another human being in a way that creates um, impact for them. So in coaching and in parenting, it's when my communication clicks with one of our kids or um, I'm able to use my words for edification with one of our children or with coaches, it's giving a skill set that can be transferred and used. And one of the other things that is important for people to understand is I think sometimes there's going to be seasons of your life where you do things because you're making an investment towards your future. Um, you know, my Marine Corps career honestly was never something that I loved. Uh, I wanted to do it because I wanted the personal accomplishment of completing something that was incredibly challenging. And officer candidate school absolutely was that for me, as was the basic school. Uh, I'm patriotic and I wanted to serve my country, but I knew going in that it was going to be a four year career for me, the likelihood of me going beyond that. Uh, And I had an interest in flying, but when I found out that the contract minimum contract after training was eight years, I was like, no, I can't do that because I don't think I'm 
that passionate about it. And, 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 but when I look back at my life, that decision, that investment, that sacrifice has paid dividends in many other ways. It right. made it very easy for me to get a career in law enforcement and the relationships we've built and the things that I've learned from that have served me well. But that was a five year period of life where for the most part, I didn't really like what I was doing. I mean, when we were out there shooting machine guns, that was fun. It was like, okay, I could do this. You didn't like digging trenches and- Well, I didn't do a whole lot of that, but there was just a tremendous amount of monotony um, in the career. And once again, it just wasn't something that I was passionate about, but um, you know, I did my best when I was in, uh, but I also think it's important for people. I think there's this idea that, well, if I don't love it, it's, it's done. Like, no, it's okay. There's things that you can get out of it, which actually brings me to, uh, I just want to mention one of my favorite books. It's a super little, almost a pocket book by John Ortberg. It's called, What is God's Will? And I feel like this is one of the questions that as a young teenage Christian would always ask, like, how do you know what God's will is? Right. And I, I think John nails it because a lot of times people are looking for this, you know, audible command from God, like, this is what I want you to do. They're looking for that pillar to guide them every step of the way. And that is rarely going to happen. God's primary will, this is what John says in his book, God's primary will for your life is that you become a magnif- magnificent person in his image, somebody with the character of Jesus. That is God's main will for your life. No circumstance can prevent that. God's primary will for your life is not the circumstances you inhabit. It's the person you become. Right. So I think that in everything that we do, there's steps that we can take towards, okay, where am I going to be the best? But also that the person you're becoming, you know, the person I became through the Marine Corps, uh, yeah, I, I didn't enjoy it. I could have made minimal effort and, um, but just saying, okay, this is, I made this commitment. I'm going to do my best while I'm in and just l- learning what you can from those experiences is really important. And then the other thing that is important for people is to know your purpose. And I think that every one of us will have a unique purpose statement. There's different things that we're passionate about and it's important for us to really dig in and identify what that is. And what Lyle encouraged people to do is to have a personal purpose statement uh, that's roughly eight to 10 words. It could be a little bit longer. Uh, do you have anything to say about that? Anything you want to add? No, because I think we've kind of shared one for a while. So it might be something I work on on my own, but I would love to hear what yours is because you've gotten a lot of clarity in the last year or so and you repeat it often. I yeah. believe in it. So I basically support your a purpose statement, but, you know, maybe the Lord will have something individual for me at some point as well. Yeah. So I've shared this that, you know, I feel like at this point in my life, my purpose is to help people reach their potential and maximize their impact so that they can make the world a better place. And for us, a better place, ultimately, uh, you know, there's no humanitarian work that has uh, humanitarian work only has value if it lasts eternity. So if we're not doing things in the name of Jesus uh, and to share his love with people, um, it's, it's, it's fleeting. Right. And, and so that's why I'm so potential is I realize people have potential to do more, impact more people, make more money so they can do more good in the world. And uh, I would just encourage all of you, if you haven't figured this out, um, spend some time, write it down. I have 
like tons of different notes on these different, you know, one-liners and catchphrases. And this is something that we've been massaging out for years. Right. And, and this is what I feel strongly like is my personal mission statement where it really guides a lot of what almost everything. I was going to say it guides a lot of our decision-making and and that gives a lot of clarity as well. Absolutely. And so there's, if you have this, it actually becomes a very simple filter to run almost any professional decision and lots of even non-professional decisions through say, does this fall in line with my purpose? Anything to add? No, just that what I love about that purpose is that we are able to blend in our family life, our business, our faith walk. So it crosses a lot of borders and boundaries in our lives, which means that um, the different areas are not in competition with each other. I mean, we still have to share the time capacity and the emotional and mental capacity within those different frameworks, but one is not um, in competition with the other so that one is getting and the other is being taken away from in the same way that it might be if you didn't have something that would support all areas of life. Awesome. So just to wrap up and really focus on the main points that we talked about, the first thing is find your calling, but don't stop working just because you haven't found it. Right. And the second is to develop your purpose statement and build your life around implementing it. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Freedom Show. We believe freedom isn't man's invention. It was created by God. You can connect with us at beckandkev.com for more resources to learn biblical principles, essential disciplines, and winning habits that help once average people lead the life they want instead of accepting the life they were given. 